This podcast does not provide medical advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyone Dies, the podcast. I'm Marianne Matzo. I'm Charlie Navarrete. So please grab whatever beverage that'll make your mouth happy right now. And thank you for spending the next hour with Charlie and me. In the first half, we're going to have our recipe of the week because how could we possibly do a podcast without a recipe of the week? Yes. Um, Charlie's going to talk about parties in China. Mm. And in the second and third half, uh, we're going to, I have an interview with Chris, um, who not only lived with a colostomy, but competed in an Ironman race with one. Jeez, I can't Can even you imagine. No, I can't even spell <laughs> colostomy, let alone, uh, no. Wow. I can't. I mean, the idea of even doing an Ironman race is like, oh, yeah, I'm exactly. Sorry. It's not from, I need yeah. to take a nap. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I need to take a nap to think about that. Yes, exactly. Yes. So when he was, when he was diagnosed um, with colon cancer, he was training. At that time, he was training for the Ironman. Jeez. Okay. And so he had all his surgeries and stuff, and he's like, well, I was training for this. I'm going to do it. No, good so. for him. That's, that's brilliant. Imagine. So our recipe this week, because we're talking about colostomies, I thought we should have something, you know, that's colostomy friendly. So I went noodling around, and, you know, other countries, Charlie, are just so much more chill and amusing about difficult topics. Uh-huh. I found I found this cookbook in Switzerland, which I don't, I'm not sure exactly why, but it has a clown on the front. And it says, um, the name of the cookbook is For People With Other Exits. <laughs> For people, now, when you say exits, I mean, to shuffle off this mortal coil, or no, because a colostomy, or do you? I got it. Okay, a colostomy is you know a surgical operation where they bring part of the colon through the skin, and then the stool goes into that bag. So that is a other exit. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is an avocado and spinach soup that sounds just nummy. And you can go to our webpage and not only get that recipe, but you can download the whole cookbook. You're welcome. Very good. So, Charlie, what's going on in China? Well, listen, uh, news from the BBC. A county in China has banned birthday parties and other celebrations because the central government wants everyone to be more frugal. I'm sorry, no, did, no did, party? Did, did, did someone just win a prize? Well, it's I'm partying for them. Oh, you're partying for the non-partiers. I got it. Well, that's, that's, it, that's, yeah. that's great for international relations. Thank you. Um, yes, because the central government wants everyone to be more frugal, included our rules for weddings and funerals, and also a ban on cash gifts, more than 200 yuan, roughly $31. The good news is that the rules only apply to all communist party members, civil servants, and village organization leaders, not to most residents. The last time the Communist Party cracked down on its members, they were banned from extravagant eating and drinking. 
joining golf clubs, or entering private clubs in order to fight corruption. I, I couldn't remember the thing that dragged it. Oh, da, 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 da. There we are. Da. Weddings and funerals are indicators of one's social status in Chinese culture. And sometimes there is a societal expectation, especially for village leaders. I wonder what about the village people? Are there expectations for the village people? I mean, they're, they're all older now. This is why uh, we don't succeed as singers. <clears throat> well, I have no doubt that we are not going to succeed yeah. as singers. Especially, but that's not going to me, stop me. No, not at all. This is America. Uh, yeah, so especially, uh, so, so yes, a societal expectation, especially for village leaders to hold extravagant affairs. In smaller villages, weddings and funerals can last days and involve mass processions. The same rules apply to funerals, where it is tradition in China for guests to give grieving families, quote, condolence money. Funerals cannot be held longer than three days and details of the event must be submitted to the government within 10 days after it is held. Can you imagine being the person who's taking the minutes of that funeral? You know? <laughs> and then this, especially a three-day funeral, this happened and then that happened. A three-day funeral, a three-day funeral. The guests started getting rough. Well, never mind. Um, so, yes, for, for, for this and a whole lot of other information, uh, and including the link for the recipe and additional resources, please go to everyonedies.org. That's every, the number one, dies.org. You can email us all of your secrets at mail at everyonedies.org. And again, the number one, please. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. It would be so helpful if you would also remember to rate and review this podcast. As a nonprofit organization, we are always thrilled to accept your donations. Please go to our webpage to donate and support our work. So, uh, Charlie's going to introduce our second and third half, but I want to remind or tell the listeners that... um, Chris did a lot of research about appliances for a colostomy, and he sent me all of that information. He was like really adamant, I want this posted on your website. And so all of those resources are going to be with um, this podcast on the website. So I really hope that you guys go and take, take a look at that, those of you who need that information, because... Like I said, he did a lot of research for himself. So, Charlie, are you going to introduce Chris? Yes. For our second and third half, we have an interview with Chris, who was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 50. He had a colostomy and multiple rounds of chemo, but the cancer progressed to his liver and lungs. In our interview, he talks about how to live with a colostomy, including competing in an Ironman competition. So today, um, our topic is about colostomies, and this is a topic that often is not talked about in polite company, um, and I put the polite in air quotes, 
because it's a very um, sensitive and intimate kind of thing that can happen. So let's just kind of break it down a little bit. The colon is the part of your body that absorbs water from the feces and returns that water, if you will, back into the system. And it moves through the, the stool, the feces, moves through the colon, through the intestines, and you know, comes out the anus in the form of a bowel movement. Now, a, a colonoscopy, or colostomy, excuse me, I said the wrong word there, colostomy is um, a surgical operation in which a piece of the colon is brought out in through the opening, an opening, a surgical opening that's made in the abdominal wall to bypass a damaged part of the colon. So how does the colon get damaged? Well, it can get damaged in colorectal cancer, prostate cancer, ovarian, uterine, or cervical cancer. Also, people with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, or precancerous colon polyps may need to have a colostomy. So these are, those are the, the diseases that can result in needing to have a colostomy done. So when that piece of colon is brought out through the abdominal wall, <clears throat> that means that the stool, the um, feces is going to come out into that pouch. And that needs to be emptied and cared for and worn. So we're going to talk with Chris Berry today, who was diagnosed um, 10 years ago with colon cancer and had his colostomy about 10 years ago. So welcome, Chris. Thanks, Maria. Great to be here. It's great to have you. So you're um, unique in, in, a, in lots of different ways I'm finding out. One is that you were training for an Ironman marathon, which those of you who don't know what an Ironman marathon is, a bike, swim, and run race of um, incredible proportions. <laughs> How many miles are each of those? Uh, well, it's, it's in total, it's 140.6 miles, so it's a long day for the person doing it, and, a, and, and in my case, I was kind of slow, so a long day for my family to wait for me to finish, but, but I was able to get it done, so it was a good day. So the day. swimming part is, what, two miles? Yeah, a little over two miles, and then the, uh, the bike ride is uh, uh, 112 miles, um, and then the uh, at the end, then, after that bike ride, you get on a... <clears throat> you, hit the road and start a full marathon, 26.2 miles. So it's a, it's a long day. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining, I mean, maybe the swimming, but after that, that you know, it'd be time for hot dogs and hamburgers for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you were training for this, um, had your cancer diagnosis, did your treatment, had your colostomy, and then you ran this marathon. So... For anybody who has a colostomy or anybody who's trying to think about it, they're saying, so how the heck do you do that when you have a colostomy? So if you can take us back to when you first had that surgery and sort of some of your thoughts and how you figured out how to adapt that appliance. Some people name their colostomies. I don't know if you did, but you can tell us that. How did you adapt to that? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't, I didn't name it. I where, yeah, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have known their or named their stoma. They give it a kind of friendly name that uh, Charlie is, you know, doing this or that. I did uh, when I went back to work. Um, a person that I worked with quite a bit, and you know, occasionally your stoma can make noise, particularly as you're getting kind of used to it in the most inopportune moments in a quiet conference room. And while I didn't name it, I did say that every time it made noise, I would turn to my friend Rebecca and say, man, Rebecca, that was loud. And blame the, uh, <laughs> the noise on her. So I guess in some ways, maybe I named it that. I don't know. She was a good sport about it. But um, anyway, so yeah, when I, I mean, first of all, when I found out I had to have <clears throat> the, um, I was going to have to have an ostomy, have the ostomy surgery. And then, you know, really it pretty quickly realized it wouldn't be, reversible. Sometimes it's reversible. Sometimes you can have the surgery, they bypass the damaged part, um, do your treatment, and then you can be reconnected and you function, you know, as you did before. In my case, I knew they were going to have to remove so many pieces and parts that it just wouldn't be an option. It would be a permanent uh, lifestyle change for me. And I'll, I'll be honest, in the first day, it was kind of devastating because I, you know, for all the reasons you said, I sort of couldn't imagine almost the worst thing, you know, and, and, and since then I've talked with people and, you, you know, perhaps you have too, and maybe others where people say, well, I just don't think I'd like to live with that. You know, um, I never quite went there, but it was, but it was just hard to contemplate. And, and then when you, you know, you go and you Google the images, it's, it's shocking to see honestly what that's going to look like. A piece of your intestine is going to, you know, protrude through your abdominal wall. And, you know, it's unusual to see your insides, on your outside. And, uh, right. you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a very, you know, graphic kind of image. And so for a few days that, that it, it, it was kind of hard to contemplate, but, but I will say, I mean, one kind of knowing that the alternative was, you know, death, um, that, that helps you may get over it pretty fast, I think. Um, mm -hmm. and then also just sort of realizing, you know, maybe this will be like wearing glasses. If you're a kid and you have to wear glasses, you think that's going to be terrible. These things sitting on my, face or, um, you know, all kinds of other things that, you know, people have to live with. And I, I, I was fortunate that uh, my doctor connected me with a firefighter in uh, Chicago who, uh, very, within a couple of days, and he told me, look, this is, it's not fun. I'm not going to tell you it's fun, but I'm back to being a firefighter. And uh, let me tell you about, you know, what that's been like. And I, you know, a lot of people worry about relationships and, uh, the, you know, intimacy and all of those things that you kind of also, you know, then you kind of go there and like, wow, that's going to be strange, not just for me, but, you know, the, my family and my spouse. And, and so anyway, I was fortunate that somebody connected me and allowed it, allowed me to talk with someone who, told me there is life after this, but it is, but it is shocking. So just in general, that was kind of the first part. And, and then it wasn't until really I kind of got through the, the treatment. My treatment was a, some chemotherapy, some radiation, <clears throat> surgery, and then, and then more chemotherapy. So my treatment was pretty much a, you know, a year of just kind of like lots of people have experienced. You jump on the roller coaster and you just go with it. And then when I finished, then I had been training with some friends who said, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's pick back up with this and, and talk about it with my family. And we sort of said it as, <clears throat> after finishing this treatment, if I could, you know, get back to the point where I could uh, do this uh, Ironman triathlon, um, that would sort of be the end of it. That would kind of be the, the capstone where it was like, okay, a year of treatment, 
about, you know, I had about 14 months to train for the, the Ironman. And if I could finish that, we could sort of feel like we put this, you know, behind us. So that's, that's how we ended up putting it on the, the calendar. Um, and, uh, and so, and that's the way it, it worked out, which was, you know, just awesome to have the whole family there at the, at the finish line and, you know, be able to, we really felt like it was, you know, kind of all of us uh, putting it, you know, behind us. Um, that's incredible. Came, how long did the, how long did the Iron Man take you? <laughs> well, a, a good, a good triathlete can do it in, you know, uh, you know, under 10 hours. Um, it took me about, uh, about 15 hours. You get 17, you get 17 hours to finish. If you don't finish, if you finish in 17 hours and one second, you didn't finish. You did all of it, but you didn't finish. Uh, so oh you had, there is a time limit. They don't give you all the time. And, and then there are checkpoints along the course. You have to be done with the swim at a certain time and done with the bike at a certain time. Um, you know, one, one is just making sure people don't get, you know, in overwhelmed and distressed. But the other is, you know, they, they want to make sure you have, you know, you've, you've got to be able to finish it, you know, in a, in a reasonable uh, time period. So it's a long, it's a long day, but, uh, and you get, you know, I'll, I'll make one quick diversion here because it's, it's occurred to me <laughs> a number of times. So you'll find I ramble, sorry. Um, I will say, here's one of the things that really, because I'd done, I had not done the full Ironman before, but I'd done shorter triathlon distances. I'd done some half Ironmans, which are 70.3 miles, which is still a long day. But here's what I, what I discovered was cancer treatment, if you get the full you know, you end up with the full program, the radiation, surgery, and chemotherapy. It's three stages, you know, three things that happen. Well, triathlon, try three, it's um, swim, bike, run. And it's funny, I never would have imagined that the years of doing the triathlon, which put me in good physical shape right before I encountered this colon cancer challenge, which I know was enormously helpful to go into that, really, really fit, was, was really helpful to me physically, but I never expected that mentally it would be so helpful because the model that you have in your head, like is, is for a triathlon is so similar to the cancer treatment. You, you start out and the race is going to start. And that's when, you know, you get diagnosed in with your cancer. And then they tell you, you're going to have these three things, you know, radiation, surgery, chemo, and same with a triathlon. You start out and it's going to be swim, bike, run. So you're really excited at the start of both races, both events, and you, you're nervous and excited and you jump in. But by the end of the swim, you're like, oh, my God, I am ready to get out of the water. This is a long time to be swimming. I was excited <laughs> when I got in, and it's not so good. And there things happen. You get kicked in the face, you know, by someone or your, you know, goggles come off or you go off course or something, you know, particularly if you're not a talented swimmer like, like I'm not. And, uh, but, but at the end – you're kind of worn out on the swim. And that's the way it is like with radiation, the first stage, by the end of the 20 some cycles for me of radiation, I was like, okay, I don't want to go and have radiation anymore. And then you get a little break. And in the triathlon, that's called transition to T1, transition from swim to bike. So you come back, you get your swim stuff, you know, you put on, you put your bike stuff over your swim stuff, you get your bike shoes on, get your sunglasses, your bike helmet, get all your nutrition, your hydration, you get on your bike and you take off. Well, that's kind of, you get a little break between radiation and surgery, you know, to recover a little bit. And so that's the transition to cancer. Then by that point, you're kind of excited for the next day. It's like, oh, good, I'm glad to be on the bike. This is get out there and start riding my bike. Well, same with that. It's like I'm, I'm <clears throat> weirdly happy to be on to the surgery next, you know, next phase of this thing, and you do the surgery. And then at the end of that, you're like, 
you know, wow, that was kind of hard. I'm, you know, this is now I'm recovering from that, and you're on pain meds, and you're like, wow, that was that's now I've got this, you know, thing through my abdomen, and a lot of parts were removed, and it's kind of like the bike in the triathlon. You're like, I'm, now I'm ready to get off the bike. Then you get another little break between surgery and and chemo, and same with that, and then you start the run in a triathlon, or you start chemo, and so I guess what what helped me mentally was that model of you're going to go through these, it's one big long race, but it has these three phases and you're going to, you're going to be on this up and down of excited to start the next phase, worn out at the end of that phase, get a little break, kind of excited to start the next phase. Cumulatively though, each one piles up on you. So by the time you finish the third one, you know, you're like, okay, now it's not just one thing and it's three, but it's very satisfying to, you know, finish the, the three. So I, that really stuck with me like, wow, that was a very helpful mental model to know that this isn't just random ups and downs. This is, this is kind of what happens when you go through a multi-step race or a multi-phase uh, treatment. So, that, anyway, and that is really a good way to conceptualize, you know, for the, those people who are listening, even if you don't have a colostomy, but if you're going through multiple stages like that, and you could even apply it to, you know, child raising, you know, going through the <laughs> staying up all night and then the night, you know, except I think child raising doesn't really ever end, but that's the whole other story, right, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how did you figure out how to run an Ironman with a colostomy because like we, like I've said, that's a bag hanging on the outside of your body. How did you do that? Um, I started to do, well, first I asked my, my doctor and my, uh, <clears throat> my WOCN um, wound, uh, wound care and ostomy nurses. These are amazing nurses that specialize in helping people with wound, all kinds of wound cares, but, but, and, and, and an ostomy is basically an open wound. I think at first I was kind of like, well, why, why is it a wound care nurse? Well, and if you think about it, you, you have an opening and, and your intestine has come. So it's like a, it is like a wound, but it's not a wound in a bad way. It's a wound in a, you know, it's a wound in a good way. And uh, so talking with them, they were a little perplexed. And I've, I've since talked with other people who have, you know, done marathons or triathlons with ostomies and had similar experiences where it's just, it's not, it's not quite that common, but it's becoming, you know, maybe a little more as people get more and more active and want to do all these things. But I started with them and they said, well, you should be able to do that. But honestly, we really haven't, we can't really tell you, um, you know, exactly how to. So I started doing a lot of just research, looking for products that might help me, you know, that would be, um, would help the appliance, you know, stay on when you get, you know, really wet and sweaty and are really moving around. So both working with some of the, looking at some of the manufacturers and, and uh, um, I happened to use the, the Hollister uh, products. So kind of looking at their product line and just, you know, kind of finding what were more, maybe more uh, durable versions of their adhesive, which they offer, you know, some varieties. Um, and so doing so let me, that. Let me, inter- then, let me just interrupt you yeah. right there. I'm sorry, but for those yeah. people who are listening, when we talk about an appliance, um, yeah, I don't know what mm. image is coming into the, into the uninitiated mind, but the appliance <laughs> is that plastic bag that has like a um, sticky part on it, right. and there's a um, collar that it, there's different ways that these work, but they can slap, 
snap on. Um, because right. if you're taking something on and off your skin, your skin's going to get very sore. And so there's these kind of two parts, one that sticks on the skin and doesn't get changed that frequently, and then there's the other part that kind of snaps onto it. And the issues, the problems that people typically have is that one part or the other comes off, it doesn't fit tightly enough so that there's leakage, the skin gets sore from the adhesive, and so these are the, these are the when you're trying to find the right appliance for you and your skin and the, the place in your colon where um, the surgery has been done, it can be kind of complicated and take a while to find the right appliance. Is that a good explanation, Chris? Boy, that is an excellent explanation. You have obviously spent time with a lot of people who have an ostomy. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Mechanically, it's, that's, the, that's the way it works. It's just designed to stick to your skin, and, but, not, but not force you to peel that off as often. And so then there's a part that's almost like Tupperware that kind yeah. of clicks on there. And a lot of people you know, honestly have a perception, particularly if they maybe had a parent or a grandparent back in this sort of stone age of this, think, oh, my gosh, it's a terrible thing. The, the technology is really amazing. I mean, the, the, the adhesive technology, the plastic technology, for all, all of the, there's, you know, three really big, you know, manufacturers and then, and then a number of other ones. They really don't think if, if someone has an ostomy or is going to get one and they think this is, I'm going to smell bad, I'm going to be messy all the time, I'm going to, I can't do the things I want to do. No, that absolutely should not be your expectation. And if that's your experience, go see your ostomy nurse, start experimenting with different products. There are products out there that will work for you for some reason. Some people's skin you know, accepts or rejects certain adhesives. Some people's shape of their body or their shape of their stoma when the surgeon creates it makes it more problematic. But if you're having, don't, don't go into it thinking that this means you're going to be a smelly person who cannot function in the real world. Um, you, you should be able to resume really close to normal life. And if you can't, that's a sign you need to all these companies will send samples to you, get samples, try things, experiment, and then when you find what works, you know, stick with it. But, but ask people. If you're, if you're having a bad experience, ask people because you should not live with a bad experience. I mean, in addition to doing these physical activities, I had a job that required that I traveled all around the world. So I would go to China for, you know, weeks with an ostomy and fly to <clears throat> Shanghai. And, and, yes, that was a little stressful at first, but you have to – kind of be prepared and, you know, get organized. But, you know, you, you, can, you can do everything you could do before. And if you're not, then do research, talk with people, and get there because you, you should be able to. And, and don't take no for an answer. So one of the things that Chris was telling me is that he, you know, he has specific needs in terms of being able to do the Ironman. And so you found a company that, what exactly did they make? It was some sort of belt, you said? Yeah, I, I tried. <clears throat> I looked to see because even no matter how well the basic appliance works, the, the part that sticks to you and then the pouch that collects um, and is, is uh, detachable and, and, and disposable as much as you need to dispose of it that collects the, the output, um, 
as, as output collects in it, it can be, you know, it's, obviously there's going to be some weight and some mass in there. And that creates two issues for people. One is visibility. If you're wearing tighter clothing or any clothing and, and output begins to come into that pouch, you, you begin to feel like it's, it's getting visible. And you don't, you know, you, you may be at work or out and about. And, um, you know, it makes you self-conscious. You kind of feel like uh, I think people can see that there's something on my abdomen. So um, having some sort of a, 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 a garment of some sort, um, and in this case what I found worked well for me is something called a stealth belt, which basically um, is a, is a uh, pretty, as it turns out, more sophisticated than I imagined wrap, but works really well to, um, to, to not put so much pressure on the, on the appliance that it restricts the function of it, the, the flow and the function, but put it, put some just enough on it um, so that it is less visible. It's more discreet. Um, so that's one thing that you know lots of people are very interested in. And then the other is just if you're going to be active, like think about running or think about doing yoga or swimming. If there's output in in that, it becomes a uh, either a weight that can kind of bounce and begin to pull you know the device away from your body, no matter how strong the adhesive is. Or it can be, you know, it can, it can just be uncomfortable to have that kind of weight. So it supports the the, the little bit of weight that, that happens in that output. So I I tried a number of different things. I found this is the product that worked really well for me, and uh, that's what I use to do, um, you know, to do really all of my activities and daily wear, sleeping. Um, there, there are several different, you know, kind of versions of of not just this company's but other companies, and there are a number of companies that make products like this, um, but uh, some that are really, really good for, um, <clears throat> you know, swimming and surfing. The, the Richard O'Hamill, the person who invented this, is a surfer, and so he, he's made one that's made out of, you know, neoprene, and uh, you can surf the big waves, and uh, this thing will not, you know, come off, and, and then all the way down to something that is very lightweight, and you can sleep in very comfortably. So kind of like the products from, from Hollister and other companies find you know look around find what works for you um and uh and you have to experiment you know just just a little bit but but i found to do any kind of activity like this i needed something beyond just the the basic appliance that was going to hang from my body i needed something that provided more you know more support so does the bag that hangs from your body go into this belt it does. It, so there's, okay. there's, you, and, and so if people do a little research, they'll see there are really kind of two sort of varieties. One is if you think about a uh, like a pregnancy band that you could buy, you know, anywhere that's that's pretty inexpensive that you just would slip up, you know, a woman would slip up over her abdomen. That's sort of the low end of keeping the product or keeping the device less visible because it's this mm -hmm. it's this you know piece of stretch fabric that goes over. The downside is it's. It also it presses uniformly all the way around your body. Um, what's interesting about the, the the stealth belt or made it work well for me and for other and and, and again other companies make these um, is that it's the pouch actually goes inside or the the collection pouch goes inside almost like an envelope that has a zippered opening. So there's a backing on it that's kind of tight that's tight against your abdomen, but it has a hole cut through it for the stoma to come through. And then there's a different kind of fabric, a different tension on the outside that still puts some pressure on the, on the, on the pouch so that it is supported and less visible, but not so much pressure that if you think about if you, if you put your hand right on top of that 
stoma, you would restrict the output. So that's what makes it a, um, a little more sophisticated than just a pregnancy ban, and, and honestly, a little more expensive, which some people request. That's you know a lot of money, um, and so, um, but it but it works. What it does is support, conceal, but it doesn't, and still allows it to you know still allows it to uh, you know to function well. And it, I think if you add it up, you know, people look at that and say, oh my gosh, I might pay you know a hundred dollars for something like that. But it, so it's going to last you depending on how often you, you, know, you, you wear it and what kinds of things you do. If you're swimming in salt water, a little less. If you're going swimming every day in salt water, on the other hand, if you're using it for yoga, you know, it's going to last you, you know, a couple of years. I have some that are three or four years old. So it's like five cents a day you know, to kind of get your life mm -hmm. back or right. <laughs> something like that. Or you, know, you pay more for socks you know, so, um, if you think of it that way. So anyway, for, for me, it was well worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and so, yeah, so anyway, I tried that. It worked well for me after trying a couple of different things, and then I used it to, to train. And then the other, you know, considerations were just, well, what do you do when you're out on a long bike ride? And, you know, no matter what, it's just time to do some medical maintenance. So I learned how to get very comfortable taking all the supplies I might need with me on a long biker run, um, being able to change it on the road if I had to. So I had to learn how to do it, not in front of the bathroom mirror, but standing on the roadside, uh, you know, maybe somewhere, which I got to tell you is a real showstopper. If a car goes by while you're, you know, while you're changing out of bed, they yeah. uh, are going to look at you a little funny, like what the heck's going on there. But, uh, um, but it has, it doesn't happen very often, but you, those are the two things really is just find what works for you and then just be prepared for, you know, any eventuality because it, it could happen that, you know, despite the best laid plans, your stoma is going to get active in the middle of a long run or bike, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, maybe deal with a little maintenance uh, um, while you're out there, and you can't, you can't be, you know, paralyzed by that. Right. So the other thing that I hear when I talk with people who have colostomies is issues about body image, and yeah. I, I worked primarily with women in the. Um, you know, the gynecological cancer group, which is a, mm -hmm. another big group that um, can end up with colostomies and not feeling um, sexy or not feeling like they could wear clothes that they normally would have worn. Do you have any insights in terms of, um, like, did you go through that period where you thought, well, I don't look so good anymore or feelings like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'd say I, I think it's, you're right that, uh, you know, I think it's probably a little bigger issue, you know, maybe for, you know, for, for women, although maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. It's maybe a sexist thing to say. I'm not sure. Anyway, but it, but definitely I, I had those feelings too. I mean, it's hard to feel, you know, I'm married and, and, um, you know, um, I got to tell you, if you look at yourself in the, you know, in the mirror when you get home and, um, you know, it, it looks quite medical and I will say it's not the, you know, it's not the most attractive look you've ever, you know, you've ever kind of gone for. So it's shocking again, you know, to kind of see this thing that is right there in your, in your abdomen. And it's, you know, the device is, the pouch is not huge. There are different sizes. You can get small ones or big ones. Um, but it's still, you know, very, very different than you used to look. And it's, it's you know, honestly, it's disturbing. Um, so I think everybody goes through that. Um, and, um, 
and then you begin to think, you know, well, okay, what do I, how do I deal with this? That's, you know, it's another reason that some of the companies that are out there, in addition to trying to address the functional aspects of, of having an ostomy, being able to do yoga or, or not have it show underneath a shirt at, at work if you're, you know, you're wearing a, you know, dress clothes or something or, or anything. You don't want it to show underneath. But the next level of that is if you're standing there, you know, with no clothes on, you know, can, is there a way you can also deal with that body image? And so there are companies that make for women and, uh, and for men and women, unisex, either like the, the, the stealth belt makes a belt that's for kind of sleeping in that um, it, it not only, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, supports the, the, um, the, the, um, the device, but it hides it kind of. It's inside that envelope in the same way that envelope kind of supports it. It also, it also uh, covers it. And so it just looks less medical. It looks like uh, for a man, it looks like you're wearing a black cummerbund of a tuxedo. Um, which mm -hmm. I prefer to, you know, what you'd see if it's not there. There are companies um, out there, though, a number of them in the U.S. and in the U.K. that also make specifically for women where they're more lacy. They look, they really try and integrate um, lingerie into a design that's more high-waisted or some kind of a, 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 a band or a device that looks kind of like a stealth up but has a, a lacy cover on it. And, uh, and stealth up even makes one that has kind of a lacy cover on it. So definitely that's an issue. And I will say, I think it's an underappreciated issue. I think until you've stood in the mirror when you've gotten out of the shower and you look at yourself in the mirror and you think about what you used to look like and then you think about now with this, this new medical device that's, you know, your, your potentially your lifetime buddy hanging there, then it hits you. You know, I don't know if I, is there some way I can make that less visible? For me and my wife, Carol, a big part of it was just talking about it and, and you know, she's just, amazing. We've been on this journey together, you know, every step of the way. And, and that was something we, you know, just kind of worked through together. And eventually you, you know, you, you kind of realize, well, this is the new normal and, you know, you, you figure it out. And, and so it's, it's not been a, a, at all a, 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 an issue for us um, other than just trying to get used to the new normal and then, you know, figuring out what, uh, you know, what, what worked for us. And uh, so, and like I said before, I guess that's another issue that's solvable. And if, it's, if you don't think it's solvable, keep working. You can find something that will make you feel comfortable, feel functional, like the way you look. You won't look the same as you did, but you, but you can find something that will make you like the way you look. And I, I counsel people through a, a cancer organization, and sometimes they're a little younger and they're dating. And, you know, my gosh, I was, I'd been married for you know, quite a long time. It, you know, talk about a confidence shaker if you're a teenager. And, you know, unfortunately, children and teenagers have to have this surgery sometimes. So um, think about trying to date and, and court and marry. Um, you know, that, that's much, <clears throat> you know, much going to produce a lot more anxiety than just adjusting, you know, to a, a long-term relationship. So, um, and, and, but people do it and there's no reason you can't. And, um, anyway, it's an issue, but it's a solvable issue. What do you think is the, um, in, in terms of for yourself and for the people you've talked to and counseled, what do you think is like the biggest barrier to moving on with your life? Do you, you have a disease, you have the colostomy, 
um, do people like you know like you said well I figured it out we worked it through you know and a year later you ran an Iron, Ironman marathon for the other people that you've talked to what keeps them from moving on or or is there anything that does keep them from moving on is it just a matter of time for people everything from what you just said um, you know I'm, I'm uh, uh, acquainted with uh, a guy who a uh, young guy who was captain of the UC Berkeley track team and had to have his colon removed and has an ostomy and in the middle of his you know junior or senior season at Berkeley um, you know had to had to have this happen and then and then came back and was able to compete again in the NCAAs and uh, is uh, his name's Colin Jarvis. He's an amazing, amazing guy, and uh, he is working right now to break the four-minute mile with uh, with an ostomy. Um, he's run what is the fastest marathon ever recorded for someone with an ostomy, and he just you know just this. And he's and since he's gotten married, he was dating a young woman when he went through all this, and uh, and uh, just a year ago they were, you know, they were married, and he's just living you know a complete full life. He he got derailed, but he jumped right back on. Um, on the other hand, I've also um, been uh, matched up with people who have had the had cancer and had the surgery, and I talked with a gentleman in Los Angeles a few years ago who hadn't been out of his house in two years because he was just convinced that life with an ostomy, you know, you just couldn't go out of the house. He had never learned to care for it himself, so he couldn't go anywhere without his wife, and he was so self-conscious of the kind of body image, um, and he just talked himself into this was a a debilitating uh, condition that left him homebound. And so I think it's, I think it's everything in between. And the key again is I think people just have to don't accept some antiquated view that you, you might've had if an old relative had a, had an ostomy um, and, uh, and that you're, you're not going to be able to live a functional life. There are, there are products and people who can help you and you just have to, you know, push yourself to get the best possible solution you can and not accept it as a, you know, as a, uh, something that's going to limit your life. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, that's, I think that's the difference, I guess, between people who get out and decide to reclaim their lives and people who feel debilitated um, by it. And I will say there's, it's difficult to get information. There's a lot of, you know, like a lot of things, I suppose, there's all kinds of information out there, but to try and really understand that. So I think just going out, maybe looking for examples of people like, well, if, you know, my gosh, if, you know, if, if Colin Jarvis can train for a, for a, uh, you know, four minute mile, if Richard Hamill, oh, Hamill can go surf the big waves, then you can, you can do these things, you know, and, and train. And you can go to, to Walmart, right? Then you can go to Walmart. Yeah. Get started with the <laughs> cheap one. If you just go get and, and then see, and if that works for you, awesome. You use, it's a, tw it's a $20, you know, belly band. And if that works for you, perfect. You're, you know, now you're off and going and you feel better about everything. If you, you know, if it doesn't quite work for you, then find what does. And remember it's your life. So don't get too hung up on, Oh my gosh, am I going to really pay, you know, $65 or something? It's, is is it worth it to kind of get your life back and go and do things? So don't accept, you know, don't accept that limitation, I guess is what I, I would say. And, you know, we can, if you have 
the time and energy to kind of compile your list or if you have a list of, of resources, I think we should post those so that uh, people don't have to, you know, start at square one. They can start at square two since you did square one already. And um, Chris did tell me that he invested in some of these companies because they were helpful to him. So, um, but these kinds of companies don't make tons of money either because um, <laughs> it's a very specialized market, right, Chris? It is, and, and the idea of investing was actually just primarily to help, kind of to your last question, Marianne, honestly, is it's, it's hard to, to reach out to people. It's hard to make people aware because there's just so much, you know, there are a million, what, between 800,000 and a million people in the U.S. with ostomies, and, um, and a small fraction of them end up, you know, being able to find, you know, the, the things that may work for them. And so the idea of helping a couple of these companies was to help them reach more people because when people find a solution, it's amazing every day the, the, the emails that come, you know, to, to these companies where they're like, oh, I can't believe that I've, you know, this has changed my life. I can go out and do things. And so that's the idea. Really, it's not a, a highly, you know, kind of profitable thing. It's more how, how can some of these companies who have bit, who have solutions that can help people how can how can more people find out about them and uh, and make their lives better and that's the that's the rewarding part of it so yep well but if, i'd be happy to help compile some yeah, resources, if you, yeah if you put that together then people sure. can go to our webpage and yep. um, kind of move from your starting point uh, yeah, any sure. last thoughts you want to give us about what you've learned or what you think people need to know? No, I, I, you know, I think you teed it up really well. It's one of those, it's an icky conversation and that's the look most people or the, you know, if you, <laughs> hey, would you like to hear about my ostomy? I've, I've often thought, you know, when I first had cancer, I remember at one point and it had to have an ostomy. Another thought I had was, why couldn't I have, uh, although this probably would have been, you know, certainly more terrible, but like, having maybe my leg amputated and getting one of those cool metal blades on my leg, you know, that like cool, you know, the Blade Runner, you know, high-tech yeah. artificial leg, that if I have to have yeah. something removed. Now those are having, yeah, exactly. Nice yeah. titanium <laughs> leg, carbon fiber, super fast. <laughs> and uh, I thought that would be cool because that people would walk up to you on the street if you weren't shorts and go, wow, that's really cool. You lift up your shirt and sew on your ostomy, and they're like, "Uh, you know, I don't really want to talk about that." Um, and so I did have that kind of like when it, there are cooler things to have. So I think the big part of the conversation is just get over that. And honestly, everybody, this is something. It's a, it's you know, the most basically bodily function you have right after eating. Um, and so get over it. Get over the ick factor, and then just you know solve the problem. But don't. Yeah, I, I found very quickly. Yeah, exactly. I, that's the book I was just thinking of from my kids. So. But anyway, that should be the title of this, I guess. Everybody poops. So. Yeah, anyway, it's pop no, I, as I, popular I, as everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the other. <laughs> Excuse me. We all do this thing. Oh, I'm, no, I'm going to kill Chris with with my great wit and humor here. <laughs> but no, I appreciate the chance to to chat about it, and hopefully share some information that'll help people a little bit. And if, if nothing else, you know, just to get, don't, don't accept 
a huge limitation on your life. It should not be limited by this. That's right. You didn't, you know, go through that radiation and that surgery and that chemo to stay home. You went through all that so you could live your life. And so figure out how to do that and and live your best life. Ostomy or not, right? Uh, Our thanks to Chris for uh, his insights about um, colostomies. And we're going to post the list of resources on our webpage at everyonedies.org. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I hope that you live your best life every day and remember that every day is a gift. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for future episodes of Everyone Dies. This is Charlie Navarrete remembering actress Katherine Hepburn's declaration that death will be a great relief. No more interviews. (laughs) And I'm Marianne Matzo. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Remember, every day is a gift. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast does not provide medical advice. All discussion on this podcast, such as treatments, dosages, outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, messages, and any other discussion are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your primary care practitioner or other qualified health providers with any questions that you may have regarding your health. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.